1: Hey everybody! What's up? It's me, Joe Pizzapia, and this is the Rotowire DFS podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. I am your host today, and we are recapping the week two games that were, and looking forward to the Monday Thursday slate. Along with me is the other Joe, the part of the J and connection, Mister Joe Bartel. Joe, what's happening, my man? You know what?
2: I'm a little down after that Packers Falcons game, so I'm trying to work my my spirits back into this football season. It's been a rough. Rough week and a half, it feels like, for fantasy and and really for the Packers. So, I'm, I'm trying to make it through. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's certainly a slow start
1: for some teams. Uh, season's over for a few more already. I think you can uh, put Cincinnati in that uh, bag. You could probably put Indianapolis in that bag, a few other teams as well. But, look, yeah, there's still a lot of game to play. And, you know, let's get to that for a second before we look on. This is week two. We were hoping for some better showings. We got some better showings from some teams, but overall – I think the product is still a little blah I mean it's kind of you know the quality of football still seems like it's not quite there is this a matter of just teams that are too many injuries going on or is this just you know too long of a preseason
2: what's going on here yeah I don't I feel like it was not enough reps in the preseason I and mean, we heard that a lot throughout the broadcasts on Sunday uh Sunday night and in, in the afternoon that you know broadcast people are talking about oh they didn't get enough practice in preseason that's the direct result of this and i kind of have to agree at least somewhat and you were discussing that a little bit too last week on the podcast it does feel like sluggish i think that's the only word i can i can describe but yeah there were some fireworks especially in that patriot saints game um the buccaneers did some surprisingly offensive things and that was a game that we missed last week too along with the dolphins and they put the Chargers. so i i still feel like I still feel like we're trying to work our way back into things, both the players and the people like us who are supposed to be trying to cover it and and analyze it and tell you what to do.
1: (laughs) And with all the limitations they put on practices over the last couple of years, which, you know, they have every right to do that. Uh, The players union does. And, uh, but I'm thinking that's also contributing to the product we're seeing on the field where, you know, there's just not enough of that, uh, you know, just, just not enough of the time spent together on the field in real game action. And that's kind of what's going on here with some of these teams. All right, let's get to, The great performances. I got to tell you, Joe, I I tried my best to get a lineup that I liked with Brady and Gronk together. I ended up just going with Roethlisberger and kept Gronk. I I could not figure out a way to do it. I wish I I had. It's funny, the one that I had had Brandon Coleman in it, and I thought to myself, now I'm being just a fancy boy fantasy expert. This is stupid. I shouldn't do that. But turns out I probably should have. But really, we should begin this uh, podcast with Tom Brady. What a spectacular day by Brady here. 30 points on FanDuel, three touchdowns, 447 yards, nine rushing yards as well. You have to have more rushing yards than Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, Fern! Oh, oh, my God. Fern, <laughs> take that, Ezekiel Elliott. I guess he didn't get the notice. He thought he was on suspension already. But, Tom Brady and the Pats, safe to say they're back, right, Joe?
2: Yeah, or is it the Saints defense, too? I think that, I mean, they well, Sam Bradford <laughs> looked like he was the second coming of Tom Brady last week. And now we see Tom Brady going against that, too. I think that, Really, the first and foremost thing we need to take away from that is any time we have that Saints defense on the schedule, we need to look to see if it's even a, a quality match. I'm not even saying like a decent one, but even a quality one, uh, because they're going to make those numbers look just exploding in, in my mind. So that's that's the first thing we should take away from that. Second being, yeah, Tom Brady, the the uh, well, I mean, we all thought he – not we all, I, I definitely did, but there's a lot of people saying, oh, well, maybe the Patriots aren't as good as uh, we anticipated. And well, obviously that's not the case because they just ran into a tough match against the Chiefs. Um, I, I think Tom Brady is back. I liked what they were doing with James White, Rex Burkhead. I thought that was interesting. Gronk had a great game that you referred to as well. I could not find a way to get him in my lineup. I, I wanted to get Brady before Gronk. Uh, and then we saw the ramifications of what happens when – Gronk is targeted a lot. He, he got hurt, and we don't know what his status is moving forward. So I think that's one of the biggest takeaways besides the fantasy points that are put up that we need to come from this matchup. Now, if you lose
1: Gronk going forward next week, they're at home against the uh, Houston Texans, and that pass rush has always given Brady trouble. They gave him trouble in the playoffs last year as well. Where do you go to? I mean, I mean, does it go more to the running backs? do we find more Gillis Lee action? do we find more James White and Burkhead if Gronk can't go where do the where does the
2: volume go to next week? I think it has to go to the running backs, but we kind of saw afterwards and Antonio Romo to his credit was was bringing up quite a bit in the broadcast itself um, that there just wasn't there wasn't that go to guy that the Patriots had when there was man coverage and I think that that has to be a James White, that has to be a Rex Burkhead in the Texans matchup, especially if a guy like Jonathan Joseph is out, who's covering Brandon Cook? So then it becomes, well, we're all sliding around and then you see the matchup problems present themselves when they have so many guys, even Deion Lewis we haven't mentioned at all too, is a guy that I think, all three of those guys are going to be targeted a lot more. I still think they're going to spread the ball out. I think Brady's going to try to get out a lot quicker against the Texans team and obviously he's not going to get 30 points against them. I I, I highly doubt that, but um, it's fair to say that Tom Brady's back and, and really, I was never concerned that he was gone to begin with.
1: No. And, uh, let's continue on with some of the other quarterbacks who had big days here. Obviously, we know Drew Brees tried to catch Tom Brady, put up a lot of yards as well. Roethlisberger, pretty solid day. That was the one that McKechnie and I were on on Friday's show. But, you know, let's talk about the unheralded and maybe underappreciated Carson Wentz back to back 300 yard games, back to back two touchdown games. Gonna have the Giants coming up next week, but I mean, you also throw in the 55 rushing yards. By the way, fun fact: Carson Wentz leads his team in rushing yards. Oh, How wow. about them apples? You like that? How you like that nugget? That's a pretty good one. You're you're <laughs> hitting me with all the knowledge today. You look make at me. Look bad here. That's what
2: this bad <laughs> is
1: Isn't it? <laughs> oh, what do I? I'm just the host. But seriously, I mean, Carson Wentz now next week against the Giants. I know everybody was talking about this Giants defense. Week one did not look great. I'm sure tonight on Monday Night Football, we'll get a better look at them. But I got to say, at 7,700 for next week, Wentz is looking like a possible carryover where maybe it's the same thing. Ownership continues to be low, and he keeps exceeding expectations
2: whether or not uh you'll agree with this I felt like Wentz's numbers were kind of junk time stuff at the end because it, the Chiefs had a good uh at least touchdown lead for the majority of the game and I thought Wentz was always playing catch-up so that's a byproduct of that now you mentioned that he was the leading rusher on the Eagles well maybe that's why the Chiefs were ahead for the majority of the game because it yeah. could not oh win yeah. the game. so it's it's you can look at it one way or you look at it the other way like that's That's the way we have to go with this. I kind of am leaning towards that Wentz is a pretty good quarterback. That's my personal opinion. But I think that his numbers might be a bit more inflated um, because the Eagles have been trailing or have been having to play catch-up in a lot of these games. So I'm not quite on board with that bandwagon. And you mentioned that Giants matchup next week. I still think the Giants' defense is pretty good. Now, they let Zeke go wild last week, and I, I think this will be a really telling Monday night performance. If they can keep Matthew Stafford and Kenny Galladay and the rest in check, Then, to me, I feel a lot better about my call at Giants defense is going to be one of the top 10 defenses in the league for fantasy purposes this year. Uh, I think that pass rush is pretty good. I still think they have a pretty deep secondary as well. But this will be a very, very telling Monday night performance to see what we can expect from that defense moving forward because there are a lot of fantasy implications with that.
1: All right, on Friday's show, we talked about Ty Montgomery in the running back spot. He did exactly what I thought he was going to do, which is catch a ton of balls and wreak havoc all over that Atlanta linebacker core, which, look, they. James White in the Super Bowl, week one, Tariq Cohn, week, uh, week two right now uh, with Ty Montgomery. This is something I think you can start to target every week like you could. The Giants against tight ends for the last couple of years. This is just one of those things of running backs who catch them on the backfield. They are primed to have good days against the Falcons. Uh, Devontae Freeman also with a big game as well in this one. But uh, for you, who was the standout running back performance, especially since we had so many giant disappointing ones when you consider – the likes of McCoy and Elliott and a few other ones to boot. Well, and even Delvin Cook, who I thought would have a
2: better matchup against the. Yeah, Steelers well, he we had that one touchdown called back, which was brutal. You know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I, and that was another one where the, the Vikings are playing from behind, and they just they just couldn't run the ball. And I think having Case Keenum in there instead of Sam Bradford, which is shocking to me, actually makes a pretty big difference on that Vikings offense. Um, but you're talking about the biggest the biggest surprise. I think, in positive terms, has to be Ty Montgomery. I actually thought it would be Randall Cobb. That would be the beneficiary of the Falcons inability to cover running backs quote unquote out of the backfield. So I actually thought at 6,300, he wasn't a bad price. And of course with Jordy Nelson out, I think they had to utilize Cobb more in the receiving aspect as opposed to out of the backfield. But obviously Ty Montgomery had a had a night and really a lot of people were on him. I think that was one of the most highly owned running backs. It felt like at least in a lot of leagues that I did and he was able to live up to it. So that was good news in that part. But I think the most disappointing had to be Zeke too. I mean, we talked about he had, what, less than 10 rushing yards. And it wasn't – that Broncos defense was supposed to be really bad at rushing. So that that felt like it was a guarantee. I, I have to go back and watch that because I honestly don't know how that happened.
1: Yeah, it was bad news. Jay Ajayi with a good day, 28 for 122 on the ground. Carlos Hyde as well. And, look, I was right about the Seattle running game. I was just wrong about who it was. I thought it was going to be Rawls with Rawls coming back. It was Chris Carson again, 20 touches for 93 yards. I mean, going forward as bad as that Seattle offensive line is, looks like Carson's going to be a useful running back for the daily world for uh, at least until the price catches up with him. It's not going to catch up with him in week two. I can tell you that. I can assure you of that. Let's get over to the wide receivers. I had a debate uh, uh, Sunday morning on the radio about Amari Cooper versus Crabtree. I was on the Crabtree side. Lucky for me, I was right there because if you thought about, you know, the problem we get caught up in this whole Amari Cooper thing is he has the big game. We're all waiting for him to find that consistency where we count on him every week. Last week, uh, he was targeted a lot. We thought Cooper, maybe this is the time. Now, we'll look, you see how they're kind of forced the ball to him, and that's going to carry over. But when you saw the matchup against the Jets and you realize there's a good chance they're going to be, you know, basically taking advantage of them, there's no reason to really challenge the ball downfield. To me, it was all Crabtree. Now, I didn't quite expect a three-touchdown day, but I'll take it. Uh, Amari Cooper – You know, a disappointment, I would say. Mike Evans was another guy that said was a lock for a touchdown on Friday's show, and he was. Uh, And Gronkowski obviously smashing his way to 116 uh, and a touchdown. Unfortunately, the injury caught up with him. But I want to talk about J.J. Nelson because this is a guy towards the end of last year was finding his way. 5 for 120 and a touchdown in this one. Nelson, a great salary return. Do you think now that with Fitzgerald aging, with DJ out, that Nelson really becomes a bigger part of this offense? Or Was this just a byproduct of an awful, awful Indianapolis Colts defense?
2: That's a great question, and I don't know if we quite have the answer. I'm not going to pretend like I I have.
1: All right, better question then. What's the price got to be for him for you to get excited for him? Because right now, if we're looking uh, to next week here uh, for Nelson's pricing, Nelson is – actually, you have to turn that back. You, You go ahead. Tell me what the price is that you think that you would want him for. In order to get interest, because last week was fifty three hundred. Is it still under six, or if it goes over six, is that where you kind of
2: lose interest? I, well, I think I think it has to be under six, and he has to do it more than one week. That that's my thing. I, I the Cardinals' offense just feels like an absolute. Uh, there's other words I want to say here, but uh, crapshoot is what I'll put instead. Uh, I don't I don't trust that team at all right now, and they should have blown out that Colts team. I I feel like. Very, very surely that the Colts are one of the worst teams in the NFL right now, at least in my estimation. That defense isn't great. That offense is not great either. And yet it was still a 16-13 game. It was like two bad teams really trying to see who could lose as opposed to win. So I, I think that J, uh, J.J. Nelson has to be under 6000 for me for me to be considering him. And really, it's, it seems like the general consensus is not out there yet for Nelson to be a primetime performer either. So I think we have to see another game like we saw Sunday for me to start feeling confident paying over 6000 for him.
1: Now, I also talked about uh, Jason Witten as my favorite tight end return on the week. I thought that with everybody keying in on Elliott, with Aqib Talib being able to stop Des Bryant, that Witten was the obvious choice. It was going to be him or Beasley, and I was going to put my money on Witten because it was cheap and it was going to help out if you wanted to completely fade Gronk. And guess what? He had almost a Gronk-like day, which is great. Martavis Bryant, another one. We were crushing it on Friday. I got to say, we did a good job. Hopefully, that'll carry over. but. Uh, I would say the unsung, quiet performance of the week, and I think it's going to continue to carry over, was Jermaine Curse of the Jets. And I put up mm. a 20 spot. Two games with the Jets so far, 14 targets, 11 receptions. He's got 113 yards and two touchdowns. Now, I don't expect the two touchdowns every week. However, you know, whether it's a half PPR or full PPR site, wherever you're playing – I have to imagine that Jermaine Curse again at 5,800 next week against uh,
2: the Miami Dolphins is going to be in play again. I was talking with my friend James last week about the Jets, and he's a Jets fan, so apologies to him right there, but we were discussing (laughs) what DFS options were going to be the best out of there. And see, I would much rather have Curse under 6,000 than J.J. Nelson under 6,000, simply because we know exactly what we're getting from that Jets team. They're going to be horrible. And they're going to have to be throwing constantly to be able to stay within the game unless they've really decided to go all in on this tanking thing. And in that case, they should just be punting back to the other other offense. But that won't happen, unfortunately. Um, So I think Jeremy Kearse is absolutely a very good under-the-radar option. I suspect that his price definitely rises now. This is two pretty consistent weeks for a guy that no one's really seeing and anticipating. So he's got to jump up a little bit in the price tag. But I think that that's one that I feel a lot more confident as opposed to a guy like J.J. Nelson, who also had a pretty good game.
1: All right, I want to put a spotlight on something because you mentioned how bad the Saints' defense is, and we all know that. Now they're going to be playing the Panthers are going into Carolina. Now Carolina is a team that just lost Greg Olson for probably eight weeks would be my guess. And now you've got a spot where Newton hasn't been 100%. Is there opportunity coming up here in week three where maybe a good game from Newton because the defense is so bad? Maybe it's a McCaffrey game. Maybe even Stewart, because Olson's out, Benjamin, all these guys in play for you, you think? Is this like a sneaky tournament play where ownership is low on this team because of the sluggish start, but the Saints roll into town and that defense just basically opens up the world to them?
2: I don't think it's going to be a low ownership. That's my thing. I think that there is only like one consistent thing so far in the fantasy season, and it's that the Saints defense still stinks. And this has been a historical thing for that team. So I bet you that it might be worse or, than usual. Yeah, I, that's <laughs> true, which is surprising because they really tried to upgrade that throughout the off season And it, it just feels like nothing works for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if there actually is quite a high ownership with some of these guys. I'll give you a, a different name though, that I'm assuming is going to be under 6,000 price tag. I know he's been the past couple of weeks. Devin Funchess. Uh, he's a guy that, that a lot of people are anticipating even last year to be more of a breakout receiver. And it really didn't happen, but, He's quietly putting together at least you know eight to ten points per game, and that Saints defense might just inflate those numbers to the point where he's a very very good usable player um, with with a low price tag at this point.
1: Well, I, here's I, a like, here's a price for you. I got the price for you on Funches. It's forty eight hundred going into next week. Oh, I like come on,
2: like, right that that's that to me even before Calvin Benjamin, even before Christian McCaffrey, who mm-hmm. I think I would also want to target because I think that they're going to have to be checking down quite a bit. Devin Funches might be a guy that, you know, get a red zone touchdown, uh, get two or three catches, about 50 yards. And you've a guy that's going to have three, four times the value than what you purchased him for. I, I think that he might not be a bad guy to consider just because that Saints defense is so bad.
1: Yeah, he put eight point eight up last week against Buffalo on seven targets. He caught four of them for sixty eight. So if he gets in the end zone, look, even last week he basically returned two times value, which is not bad. So you know, in terms of uh, if you want to pay up to the top of the board for some big running backs or whatever you want to do, Funches might be one of those lineup blocks, You know, much like Derek Cohn week one, much like last week, uh, JJ Nelson was. Really, you really got to find and target one of those guys. I guess that I thought it might be Rawls. I was had the right team, the right scenario, <laughs> the wrong guy which kind of stunk but uh, luckily I've been on the
2: Rawls trend too. Don't don't Well, do you
1: know, you look at it and you go okay. There's no way that they are not going to be running the ball heavily against the 49ers cuz they're probably going to have a lead or if not they're just going to run the ball and just, you know, get some identity back when they go back to Seattle and they did and that's exactly what they did. It was an ugly game. I'll just talk about that too. I mean, this is 2 weeks in now. That offensive line dreadful. For Seattle, it's killing Russell Wilson's value. It's killing Doug Baldwin's value along with it. I'm not buying back in anytime soon. And now in week three, they go on the road to the Titans. I don't think I'm buying in on this week either. No,
2: I, and well, the Titans' defense probably isn't as, uh, isn't one that you want to try and target anyway. They don't have maybe the uh, well-known pass rushers that a lot of these other teams would you would think would give the Seahawks' offensive line problems. But that being said, I I'm not. I really am staying away from that Seahawks offense if I can. Now I have a lot of shares of Russell Wilson in standard leagues and redraft formats, but for daily purposes, I think the running game. You're right. Whether it be Chris Carson, whether it be Thomas Rawls, uh, I think that those are guys that you could still find some value in, and pretty consistent value. Um, but uh, look, Jimmy Graham. I don't know about that. Doug Baldwin. There really isn't a second receiver. I know Paul Richardson was talked about as that second guy for the Seahawks, but. Russell Wilson doesn't even have time to find those second receivers. I, I, I'm i staying away from that Seahawks offense until they can put together something that resembles some sort of pass protection for Russell Wilson.
1: All right, let's talk about Kareem Hunt, uh, another good game for him. Obviously, it was impossible to live up to the first one where he put a 43, but 24 is not shabby. Started off slow for him, and then the second half, things really turned on. Two scores for him, 81 on the ground, 28 receiving on three catches. He caught all three targets that were his way. You know, right now his salary has jumped up to 8,300, which I think is still kind of, you know, looking ahead to next week, him and Ajayi right now are right in that same kind of range. And I like both of them this week 82 for Ajayi coming up, 83 for Kareem Hunt. Uh, right now I'm looking at these guys and I'm thinking to myself, Kareem Hunt might be, when all is said and done, a top five running back right now in the, in the NFL and fantasy. I mean, he could finish that way if he continues even just slightly on the pace
2: that he's on. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I don't think it's any question right now that that big game gets the Patriots help. But yeah, I think that he's easily within range of a top five guy, and you're not really having to pay top five prices quite yet either, which is which is a godsend in that sense. I, I think that Kareem Hunt is, is absolutely and he's a guy that I would continue to use moving forward. I he might be matchup proof, and that's crazy to think about as a rookie in the second week. I think that says more about the fantasy season that we're currently dealing with. And anything about Kareem Hunt's talent that he might be matchup proof, like you can't afford to take him out of your lineups, um, whether it be a standard league or really it could be even be DFS. Oh, look, right now he's he's obviously you can't take him out of any season
1: long in DFS. He's starting to become one of those building blocks where you start cash game lineups with him. I think going forward until he reaches that 9K range, right now 83 I think is still pretty good where you could start with him and feel really good about. Look, we always know one thing about Andy Reid, what is it? He's going to feed the ball to the running backs. And he's going to continue to do it with this kid as well. Uh, If you look forward to next week's matchup here for the Chiefs, they're at Los Angeles against the Chargers. I think a perfectly good matchup for him there as well. Uh, All right, let's talk about some of the bounce-back guys too, hopefully. You got Zeke next week against the Cardinals on Monday Night Football. You got McCoy, who I warned everybody after that first week, be careful You know, with the Jets, let's not get too excited about McCoy. Uh, dreadful performance for him. He's going to be at home against the Broncos. And then Melvin Gordon, who I just mentioned, at home against the Chiefs. So Gordon, Elliott, and McCoy, who do you think has the best chance of bouncing back this week in week three?
2: Uh, So without looking at any of the price tags, I actually think that melvin gordon probably has the best chance to do it really because he's actually been fairly consistent well
1: gordon out. is 7600 mccoy is 81 i don't have the monday night pricing right now in front okay
2: of. so i still take gordon in that case then i, I he's been consistent in the fact that he's been able to get in the red zone um and phil rivers has been using him quite a bit kind of as danny Wood esque, when he's been out there which is encouraging for ppr stuff obviously the rushing stats aren't there and i don't know if they're going to be there against the, Ch- the chiefs either i i think that this is going to maybe be potentially three straight weeks where he doesn't get over three yards per carry. But if he's getting the usage out of the passing game, I think we're fine there. I, I'm a little worried about Lashawn McCoy. I have been for a long time. I just his injury concerns always make it a risky uh, proposition for me in DFS. Kudos to you if you want to use him. Like, I, you got you got bigger balls than me, and that's that's fine. I'll admit that. But I, I just never feel confident using him. So I'd rather have Gordon, especially at his 7600 price tag, and, and hope that he gets used because he's been getting red zone looks as well as stuff outside of that, you know, in the 20s. I, I think that Melvin Gordon is the guy that, of all the bounce back people that you mentioned there, I would take him. All right,
1: fair enough. I, You know, I tend to agree. I think the touchdown upside there is good too, especially for the return on investment. Uh, you know, i mean, fine with Zeke, but the problem is he's not on the main slate this week. So if you're playing the millionaire or whatever you're playing, it's, you know, if you're just right. doing Sunday only, he's kind of out of the equation, which is kind of rough. Uh, let's talk about one more team before we start previewing Monday, Thursday slate. Let's talk about the Denver Broncos. Now, I don't know how much. Trevor, is, yeah, well, how much is this Mike McCoy being there now and kind of letting him do his thing. I kept telling everybody, I got to tell you, Joe, if there was one guy, I got questions about last week on Twitter and I I can't even count. It was Emmanuel Sanders. What do I do? Do I drop him? Mm -hmm. Do I start? I was like, guys, it's one week. Relax. This is one of the leading guys in the red zone last year. He just didn't convert. So if that continues to be a trend where they target him in the red zone, eventually that's going to come around. It's the same thing with Witten. Witten was another guy last year. A ton of red zone targets did not convert, unfortunately, but is starting to this year, same with Sanders, if you look at the numbers from last year. So now they're going to travel into Buffalo. I got to say, I feel pretty good about Simeon on the road. I know the first two games are at home, so you got to love the advantage you get there. But I feel pretty good about him and the rest of this group. And maybe it's a combination of the second year. Maybe it's a combination of, hey, kid, it's your job. Maybe it's the new coordinator. Whatever it is, it's working in Denver.
2: Simeon has – a surprising sense of mobility that I really wouldn't have anticipated, um, probably given his college pedigree. Like that's, I think that's where if I was, so there's a lot of Northwestern people in the road wire offices here. So I probably should be a little quieter when I'm knocking that, but I, I think that um, I wouldn't have anticipated to be as immobile as he is. And while he's not looking to run all the time, he really can create opportunities in the pocket with his legs. And I think that's a big beneficiary of that how that offense is doing so well. We're not going to continue to see games that we saw even in week one and week two. I don't think that, that Simeon's going to continue to get three, four touchdowns. That's just not something that I project moving forward. Um, I think it'd be unreasonable too, but that being said, I think that there is some confidence that you can have in guys like Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas, even gulp uh, CJ Anderson, who I've, I've been really, really low on and he's still done all right at times and still chugging along for whatever that's worth. So I don't know that Bill's defense at times seems to be scary. I feel like they've lost their teeth in the past couple of years um, and might not be one that is bad to target, even with a guy like CJ Anderson too.
1: Yeah, I would agree. All right, let's go look forward to the Monday Thursday slate Uh, the Monday night game here. We've got the Detroit lions heading into New York Odell Beckham. As of right now, the moment we're recording this, they say he's going to play he's nine K Is this basically if you play Beckham and he goes off, you win this week? Is that
2: kind of the idea of you have the guts to do it? That certainly feels like it. I, again, don't have the guts to do that, though. So, you know, kudos to you if that works off. Uh, I think that the chart secondary isn't as bad um, as we've seen in the past couple of years. And a gimpy Odell Beckham really isn't um, a promising venture, especially – with that dismal Giants offense that we saw at least last week. I hope they turn around just for season long purposes. I hope they turn around, but I'm not relying quite a bit on Odell if I'm, if I'm doing the Monday, Thursday slate here.
1: Janoris Jenkins might be out for this game too. So I'm telling everybody right now, listen up because golden Tate, golden Tate, all the golden Tate, OK, if Janoris Jenkins is out, because that's going to be a big problem at 83 to me that you can't do a lineup without Golden Tate in it. You just can't. Uh, now, here's the thing. I'm sure there's going to be some people who want to get on the Galladay wagon again tonight as well. I can understand that, uh, especially if Jenkins is out in there a little bit thinner. I can recommend it at 6K. It's it, not going to cost you anything to find out there. Uh, Cooper Cup in on the Thursday night game, the Rams against the 49ers, he's at 65. I'll take my chances with Galladay and the touchdown upside he brings because I'm FanDuel scoring. I'm always looking for that touchdown upside. That's what I'm trying to look for. Uh, Continuing on here quarterback-wise, tell me, who do you think would be the quarterback du jour for you cash game in this one? Is it Stafford, considering if Jenkins is out and Tate, or do you look for Eli Manning
2: and you take the risk there uh, on the bounce back? Considering Stafford's only $400 more than Eli Manning, I think I'm going to lean Stafford's, Stafford's direction in that case, especially when you mentioned that you can partner him with the Golden Tate of Kenny a Galladay and, and hope for that kind of production. I, I think Stafford's the way to go. It's certainly not Brian Hoyer, and I, I definitely don't really think that I want to do a, a Jared Goff Thursday night play either. So I think Stafford's the direction to go because I need to see Eli Manning do well uh, before I put him in my lineups. That's, that's simply what I'm looking at at this point. That offense was horrible last week, and I need to see them actually do well before I feel comfortable putting them in.
1: All right, over two and a half million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com/RotoWire, and you'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription plus free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com/RotoWire. Void where prohibited. Let's talk about the running game, or lack thereof, because really, it's the Thursday night game you're looking for the running backs. It's Gurley, it's Hyde, 89 for Gurley, 81 for Carlos Hyde. If you go down to Galladay, if you want to fade quarterback a little, you could afford probably both of them pretty easily. Uh, Perkins, Riddick, no, no. Uh, I'm not playing Amir Abdullah at 74. To me, that price is insane. I don't care if he, he has a good game. Amir Abdullah at 74 is not a price i get behind. You go high up there pay for the running backs, and then figure it out from there. Uh, The tight end spot, you know, it's Ebron and Ingram. I don't know what you do here. Do you take a a flyer on a Higby or somebody like that and maybe in a GPP you get lucky? Because tight end with these four teams is really just not their style unless you're going to pay up for Ingram. And even then, that's kind of risky because that's 7K where you could go and afford one of the running backs instead.
2: I feel like tight end. It's almost a, a punt play. And you're just hoping for a touchdown from one of these forty, forty four hundred, forty five hundred guys. Like uh, maybe it's Everett. You know, that's, that's that's the one I was looking at too. Like if you're to me, it feels like you have to punt at tight end because I'm not a huge Ebron fan. I liked what Ingram did last week, but I don't know if that's a that's something you can do week in and week out. So I, I'm punting at tight end if I'm doing the Monday Thursday lineup, uh, and I'm going with a guy like Everett and just hoping that he scores a, a junk time touchdown or you know finds a way in the red zone. As far as the running backs you mentioned, I actually don't mind Theo Riddick at 6,400. I I think that the Lions offense likes to run through him. Truthfully, they like to run through him, and I think that that's a guy that when you have somebody that's being targeted as often as Riddick is, even if it's a tougher matchup at 6,400, I feel confident using him, and then I can pay up for guys like Golden Tape, guys like Stafford, guys like Ty Gurley, and figure it else, else out elsewhere. Yeah.
1: All right, let's uh, – look, and Gerald Everett, too, just to point out there, so far in the year, over two games, four for four, he's caught every target thrown his way. He's got 100 and change there already. So Everett seems to be having a little bit of rapport with Goff, too, so I think that's the sneaky play uh, as well. It's punt tight end. Uh, over on the defensive side, always give me the Wade Phillips defense. Uh, just give it to me. It's against the 49ers. I, I just don't think – I think you can completely outclass them. I don't care. It's on the road. It's still in California. It's not a very tough trip. Forty nine hundred. It's another one that I'm willing to pay for. So you punt kicker, you punt tight end, you pay up for the defense. And I think quarterback wise, look, if you end up having to go down to golf at seventy six, I don't think it's the worst play in the world because the six hundred dollar difference between golf and Manning, golf and Manning might allow me to pay up for that Rams D, which is really what I want to do.
2: Yeah, I think the Rams' defense you have to play. I will say, though, that if you wanted to go contrarian, the, the Niners' defense might not be, be that bad either. I'm looking to target either one of those Thursday defenses because I'm not sure Jared Goff's the real deal quite yet. Um, and it's at San Francisco, too. It's not going to be as hot there. I don't know. Maybe the fans will be showing up a little bit more. I, there's, there's a potential that the that Rams' defense could actually be outscored by the 49ers' defense. Like, we're going to see more defensive points than offensive points. That's a real possibility with these Thursday night games. But I think the, the money play has to be the Rams' first, and then I think it's 49ers' second.
1: Ah, the ratings bonanza that is Thursday night football. <laughs> All right, you can follow him on Twitter at sports. You can follow me at JoePizapia17. For everybody here at Rotowire, have a great week of Daily Fantasy.